to believe that Christ has risen from the dead. I am completely certain my own view of religion is more important than believing in Jesus, the Son of God. I have my priorities straight, because my success, lots of money, and popularity is way more important than family, faith, and serving God. I tell you this, once upon a time, families stayed together, but this is no longer true. This is a generation unwilling to commit. Normal people say I'll be broke, divorced, and spiritually empty. I do not concede that I will be weird and different from the crowd. In the future, I will travel the broad, comfortable, and normal path. No longer can it be said that my life will count. It will be evident that I am short-sighted, selfish, and only living for me. It's foolish to presume that I am different and can change the world. Unless I become weird and look at life from another perspective. I am different and can change the world. It is foolish to presume that I am short-sighted, selfish, and only living for me. It will be evident that my life will count. No longer can it be said that I will travel the broad, comfortable, and normal path. In the future, I will be weird and different from the crowd. I do not concede that I'll be broke, divorced, and spiritually empty. Normal people say this is a generation unwilling to commit, but this is no longer true. Families stayed together once upon a time. I tell you this, family, faith, and serving God is way more important than my success, lots of money, and popularity. I have my priorities straight. Because believing in Jesus, the Son of God, is more important than my own view of religion. I am completely certain Christ has risen from the dead, and I refuse to believe that I am a normal person. We're finishing our weird series today, and I want to go all the way back to the beginning and read the words of Jesus that have carried us through this study. And it comes from Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Jesus said, I need a little bit more light up here if you can, Jeff. Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at opposing views of God. We're going to look at the normal view of God, and then we're going to look at the weird view of God. So let's start with the normal. Normal view, religion is man's normal attempt to reach God. Almost every world religion, or actually any world religion, has its own external set of man-made rules. If you believe this way, if you behave this way, if you do these things and you don't do these things, then you might be pleasing to God and He might like you because you follow all of the rules. And so you can pick your own rules. You can say, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go out with girls who do. Woohoo! yay for you. And if you do that, people think if they do those things, that God will like them, that He'll be pleased with them. Some of them say, well, I pray this way, I kneel in this direction, um, I, I go to church on this certain day and not this day, I was baptized this way either by sprinkling or by immersion, I don't see these types of movies, I do these religious behaviors, and religion is all externally focused. It's everything on the outside. If you do all that, that you might, might please God and He'll like you. Now, this line of thinking, this religious view 
might have prevailed if not for one person. You know who that was? Heard it. Somebody said, Jesus. Jesus, that's right. Because when Jesus showed up on the earth, he had a throwdown with the most religious people ever known, the Pharisees. And look what he says to them in Matthew 23, starting in verse 25. What sorrow awaits you? Now, a lot of people talk about, oh, gentle Jesus. He was so meek. He was so mild. He was such a nice guy. Not to the Pharisees. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? hip o Now, he called them snakes, brood of vipers, hypocrites, whitewashed tombs. I mean, he got in their face, had a throwdown. He says, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. He compared their lives to a cup. Now, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere like a restaurant or whatever, and you get a cup of coffee. I have, and I'm drinking my coffee, and I'm thinking my coffee's good, and I get down and I see some gunk in the bottom. And that just makes me feel warm and fuzzy all over. Because I think warm and fuzzy is now in my gut. You know, what does it do? You're going... Because it's so nasty. And he's saying, okay. He's saying, you Pharisees, you focus everything on the outside. And you clean that cup up. That's a pretty good looking cup, isn't it? That's a good mug. Man, I love mugs. You can give me a mug anytime and I'm happy. I like to drink my coffee. That's a good looking mug. But if all you do is wash the outside and the inside is full of junk... I don't want that. Jesus said, everything you Pharisees are doing is about the outside. It's all externally focused. It's all religion. And religion misses the point. Religion always misses the point. Even in the Old Testament, they're talking about focusing on the outside and and forgetting the inside. In Isaiah 29, 13, it says, God says, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He said, man, that outside is shiny. They know the right things to say. Everything they say, everything they do looks good. But what's on the inside, their hearts, what really matters to God, he said, is filthy. And it disgusts me. You get all the way to the book of Revelation and Jesus says, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you're not, you're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. Lukewarm coffee. No, I don't do that. I don't do iced coffee either. But, but lukewarm coffee, that stinks. And Jesus says, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you're disgusting to me. That's when you focus on the outside and not the inside. And if we're just really honest today, I think you'd agree. There are people gathered all over the world worshiping today. But a lot of people are just following the traditions. They're going through the motions. They're doing the right behaviors. They're saying the right thing. They're dressing the right way. They're acting the right way on this one day. But it's not because their hearts are near God. And and in fact, if they were really honest, they'd say, man, I'm, I'm just here because this is what we do on Sundays. I'm just here because really I'm, I'm far from God. But, you know, I'm hoping that maybe by, if I come, I'll have a little better luck. Maybe God will, you know, if I do this, then God will be pleased with me and he'll give me some good luck this week. Maybe that's what's going on. But if I'm really honest, I don't even like God I just want God to like me, and so I'm going through the motions of worship. And and that's not worship. That's the sad thing about that. You see, the real problem with religion is it leads to one of two destinations. Only one of two. I want you to get this. Religion leads you down one of two paths. Neither path pleases God. First path, religion leads to pride. Second, religion leads to despair. Despair. 
one of only two places that it can go. Now, I want you to see what Jesus says in verse, uh, Luke 18, starting in verse 9. Jesus also told this parable to people who were sure of their own goodness and despised everyone else. Did you get that? These people were convinced they were good and everybody else wasn't as good as them, so they weren't good enough. Once there were two men who went up to the temple to pray. Check out how cocky this Pharisee was. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood apart by himself and prayed, I thank you, God, that I am not greedy. Now, if you start, if you feel that you need to tell God how good you are when you are praying, you're jacked up. And God is not going to be pleased with you. So here's what he says. I thank you, God, that I'm not greedy, dishonest, or an adulterer like everybody else. I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. You come in here and you compare yourself to other people in the church, you're messed up. And you're not pleasing God. But then look what he says. I fast two days a week. And I give you one-tenth of all my income. But look what the tax collector did. The, The tax collector stood at a distance and would not even raise his face to heaven. But beat on his breast and said, God, have pity on me, a sinner. I don't know if you've been to churches like this. I've been in churches like this. I've been on staff in churches where if someone comes in and they don't look right, a deacon who is supposed to be someone who is near God. I I know deacons who have said, you can't come in this church dressed like that. Or maybe there's a church for you down the road. Or it's because of skin color. Or it's because whatever. They are no better than a Pharisee. Part of the reason we're casual around here is we want everybody to come. You used to have teenagers say, I can't come to your church because I don't have anything to wear. When we started this church, we said, that's never going to be a problem. Now, we have had people show up here in a coat and tie and they feel way overdressed, you know, and they usually do it once and then, then they come back comfortable and all that. The, the tax collector said, God, I'm a sinner. Man, I just think that, that Jesus hung out with sinners and... I'm going to tell you a secret. I'd rather hang out with sinners than religious people any day of the week. I just want people to be real and honest because I think that's what Jesus wanted. Jesus said, I tell you, the tax collector and not the Pharisee was in the right with God when he went home. For those who make themselves great will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be made great. This was weird teaching. Jesus said to the Pharisees on another occasion, he said, he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're the blind leading the blind. And he said, whenever you make a convert to your religion, you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. That's some pretty strong words. Now, pride is what happens when we start comparing ourselves to other people and we quit comparing ourselves to Jesus. And this is one of our special friends here today. I'm just going to tell you that. And we've said it's great that he's here. He, he is praising Jesus. And so I just want you to know that's what's going on. He just said, I know that's right, baby. All right? So we're grateful that he's here today. And, and Jesus said the way we treat him is the way we treat Jesus himself. So we're all cool with that, right? That's the right answer. Okay, so the first destination of of religion is pride where you start thinking you're better than someone else second destination though and this is where some of you are i really believe this is despair you think you're not good enough 
for God. And, and actually, you're not. <laughs> that makes you feel good, doesn't it? The one place I'm supposed to be safe. Well, none of us are good enough for God. But some of you, here's what I think you do. You look around, and instead of saying you're better than other people, you say, I'm not as good as them. I, 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 I can't even make it to church two days, two weeks in a row. You know, when, when they pray, man, they, they have a connection with God. And, and they come to a small group about prayer, and they're so much better than me. And, and I'm just, I'm not good enough. And I try to pray, and I go, oh, dear God, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Bread. We need bread. And the car, the oil needs changing. And I can't even pray 30 seconds. And I'm not good enough. And, and God, ah. Uh, and you just think you're, you're, you're in despair. And that's a lie from hell that you're not good enough for God. Because... You're not good enough, but God loves you so much that He comes looking for you. And He wants to adopt you into His family. He's, he's on, the Bible says He searches throughout the world to find someone whose heart is fully committed to Him. And when He finds those people, He strengthens them. And He says, that's one of mine. I will use them to change the world. And that's some weird stuff. There's, there's nothing about religion in there. And, and some of you are thinking, well, I'm an ADD prayer and, and, and I'm not even good enough. And I started to show this, but it was so bad I couldn't show this. And this shows my age. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen Hee Haw and, and it's on YouTube. But they used to sing. I thought it was so funny when I was a kid. I was a little kid and they would sing gloom, despair and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Whoa! And they do all that stuff too. It's horrible. I was going to show it to you and it was so bad I couldn't show it. So I thought I would sing it for you, which was so much better. And, and, you know, if it, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. But, but really, if, if we were honest today, some of you do not think you're good enough for a holy God to love you. And, and let me be real honest here. You can't be in a healthy relationship with another human being until you begin to see yourself as God sees you. God sees you as a sinner, but He loves you so much that He gave His Son to die for you. He says, I want you to be a part of my family. And when you begin to see yourself as God sees you, I'm a sinner. I can forgive anyone, anything when I'm looking at the cross. Because I say, my sin put him on the cross. You want to know what's the problem in, in your, most of your relationships? It's because you're not focused on Jesus and you're focused on the other person's problems. You get a little of that pride going on and you start thinking that you deserve better. And that it's all about you. When you focus on Jesus, all of a sudden it's no, no longer about you. And, and then you're more attractive. Let me just tell you that. You look a whole lot better to your spouse when you're following God. Right? That one was free. That wasn't even here. Religion puffs us up, makes us proud, or it makes us feel so bad about ourselves that we think we can't possibly, we don't deserve to be in the church. Now, that's, that's the normal approach to God, but there's another approach, and it has nothing to do with religion. It's so far from, from man's approach. God's approach involved Jesus, and, and I'm not actually there. Some of you trying to get ahead on your listening guide, not there yet, so just wait a minute. Quite honestly, God's approach thoroughly disturbed the religious crowd of his day because it had nothing to do with religion, and they wanted religion. And it's still disturbing people today because it's so radically different from anything the world has ever known. Now, Paul... Um, was one of Jesus' followers. It took him a while to figure it out, but when he became a radical follower of Jesus, he wrote half of the New Testament, and he went around, planted churches all over the known world at that time. Radical guy. He had something to say about religion. I want to read you what he said about religion. 
He said, if anyone had reason to hope that he could save himself, it would be me. If others could save, could be saved by what they are, certainly I could. Now, he says before this, he goes, man, I'm going to say some crazy stuff here. And I shouldn't be talking like this, but because of the religious people, I'm going to try to get the religious people's uh, attention. He says, uh, for I went through the Jewish initiation ceremony when I was eight days old. A good Jew followed all the rules. He said, so eight days old, that's when I was dedicated. Um, For I went through the Jewish initiation ceremony when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish home that was a branch of the old original Benjamin family. What this means is there were 12 tribes in the Old Testament that made up the original nation of Israel, and Benjamin was one of them. And, and, And Paul is saying, I can go all the way back to Benjamin and show you my lineage. I am a Jew if there ever was a Jew. He says, so I was a real Jew. Well, he says that. I was a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to every Jewish law and custom. And sincere, I was so sincere that I greatly persecuted the church. When Christians came on, he was going, no, 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 no. Don't follow that Jesus. He's not following the traditions. Follow something else. He said, I persecuted the church. He actually had people thrown in jail and he participated in killing Christians. This is how religious he was. He was trying to defend God from his own son. And he says, I tried to obey every Jewish rule and regulation right down to the very last point. Okay, he was saying, I was raised by the best. I had the best education. I was mentored by the best. And I had the best behavior. If we translated it into our language today, he'd say, I was a pastor's son. I was raised in a pastor's house. I went to a Christian college. I graduated at the top of all of my religion classes. Um, I listened only to Christian music. Not any of that secular. Certainly not country and western. I just... I love, you know, somebody will make comments. He says, I was baptized by Billy Graham and and I was so religious that even the Pope was over here doing something with his hands while I was being baptized by Billy Graham himself. Something like that. What he was saying was, I was the most religious person you've ever heard of. And then he's going to tell you what that religion meant to him in the long run. He continues with verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless Because what Christ has done. Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Remember that word. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. No longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws. But by trusting Christ to save me. For God's way, here it is, God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Counting on Christ Jesus. Now, what I'm about to tell you is going to disturb some of you who are more religious in the room. The Greek word that's translated as garbage, if you have a different translation than NIV, it's translated as rubbish. It's really the word skubala, and that's kind of a fun word to say, so I want you to say it. Say skubala. This is important. Now, garbage is really a sissy way to translate skubala. It can be translated as rubbish, garbage. In the, in the King James Version, it's actually translated as dung. But dung doesn't go far enough, doesn't do it justice. The English equivalent of this word is a cuss word. And the only way that I can really tell you this to a church crowd and help you understand it is there could be a bumper sticker that says, Scubala happens. All right? Don't, don't go there with the word. Just, you know, imagine, you know, dung, whatever. Scubala happens. He's saying all of this stuff, all of this outward focusing on the outside and, and, and ignoring the stuff on the inside. He said it's a bunch of poo-poo. It's scubala. It's the worst kind, you know, and, and it's, it's fertilizer. It's, it's a pile of stuff. He said that's what religion is. 
So a lot of people will say, well, I've got this neat, organized system of religion, and I'm going to follow it. I'm very organized. Basically, you have an organized pile of scubala. That's what some of you have. Some of you say, well, I've got more religion than others. I don't think that's a good thing. It just means your pile's bigger. Some of you, you're so proud of your pile, you put a little flag in it. So you've got a little Catholic flag, or you've got a Baptist flag, or you've got a Church of Christ flag, or a Methodist flag. Some of you even put an NLCC flag in there. Yay! You've got a flag in a pile. Some of you, you're more creative than others, and you pick and choose what's in your religion. You take some of Christianity that you like, and you ignore some of Christianity that you don't like. Some of that stuff that's kind of troubling. And maybe you put some Buddhism in there. Maybe you do some Christian scientist thing, Scientology, you know, because that's kind of cool nowadays. That's hip nowadays. And, and so you go, look, I've got this better religion. You just have a combined, combined pile. It's no better. It's just a pile of poo-poo. It's scubala. And what Paul is saying is religion is poop. And poop, poop isn't going to save you. And what he said just freaked out the religious world from which he came. Because this was so different than anything anybody had ever heard. And then he went on to say, because the Old Testament, this is what all the Jews follow. To this day, the, the Old Testament is what the Jews follow. He said, let me tell you, the Old Testament is the law. First five books of the Bible, that's called the law. And he said, let me tell you what the law is. The law was given to you. He said, the law is not bad. It comes from God. But the law was given to show you that religion cannot save you. He's saying religion is futile. You're, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. And, and, you know, that's why Jesus came and it's good news in the New Testament. The Old Testament's not bad. Well, it is bad news. You're not good enough. And if, if, if you ever wonder if you're good enough, if you're just bored and you need some time, you know, just to convince yourself, go get God's top ten, the Ten Commandments. It's in, it's in Exodus, chapter 20, God's Ten Commandments. And just start going through there and say, number one, have I ever put anything above God? Anybody here ever put anything above God? Uh, let's just tell the truth for just a moment. All right. So a bunch of you have. I have. Have you ever uh, told a lie? Anybody ever told a lie? Okay. Have you ever stolen anything? I have. In fact, I got a text from my nephew this week. We were driving to Dallas and, and I saw this thing and I didn't know what it was. And I kind of blew it up on my phone. He's at home and he found a citation I got in 1983 because I stole a street sign. And of course it says theft on there. Anyway, long story, but I was arrested for that. Um, I didn't know Ryan at the time. I wish you could have come and got me instead of my dad because that was a bad night. Um, but so I've stolen stuff. And what does that make us? Makes us lying, thieving idolaters. You are not good enough. It is impossible to be good enough. But the good news of the New Testament is that you don't have to be good enough because Jesus was. And so you transfer all of your debt onto him. And some of you, you need to hear this today. I said this earlier. Some of you have heard this message so much that your heart is cold to it. You've heard it from the time you were little. And, and it's like, yeah, same old message. Some of you are going to hear this for the first time. The weird view is God's attempt to reach man. And the key word that you have to understand is relationship. I'm going to let you write that down because the next thing I'm going to say is vital for you to understand today. Key word is relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going to hell. Can I, can I say that again? You are going to hell and it's not going to be a pleasant place. 
you will be alone forever. Jesus said you'll be in torment forever. You'll be wishing that you had given your heart to God, but you'll never have the opportunity to do that again. You will be punished forever. And people say, oh, how can a good God send anyone to hell? He's not. You're going to choose hell because you're going to reject his son. Hell was prepared for Satan and his demons. I don't know why anybody would want to go there. But they say, I can't trust God. And so they say, I'm going to trust in myself. And God says, if you're going to trust in yourself your whole life, and if you want to be separated from me your whole life, if you don't want anything to do with me in this life, he says, then I will honor your choice forever. It's your choice and you will end up in a place called hell. Read this verse or hear this verse as if it's the first time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whosoever believes... Okay, this believe. It's not that I believe there is a God. It's not that I believe that there is some intelligent designer. It's not that I believe there was a historical Jesus because a lot of people believe there's, there was a historical Jesus. It means I believe so much that I leave the normal path and I get on this weird path and I say, Jesus, I need you to forgive my sins and be the leader of my life and I'm going to be different because Jesus was different. If you're going to follow the leader, you don't get to do what's normal. If you're going to follow the leader, you got to be weird like the leader. And Jesus came. I mean, this, how weird is this? This is a weird way to save the world. God became human flesh. He came and he was born of a virgin. And it's the only time it ever happened in history that he was born of a virgin. And why a virgin? That's so he wouldn't inherit the sin nature of his earthly father, but the heavenly nature of his heavenly father. Jesus, God in flesh, lived a sinless life. And when he was old enough, he started teaching things that amazed people. It was so otherworldly. It was so different. He said things like, if you want to be greatest, you serve. That's weird in our culture. He said, if you want to be the most important, you should be the least. If you want to be first, you're the last. That's weird. He said things like that just boggled people's mind. If you give, it will be given unto you. That's strange. That's weird. He said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. That's pretty weird. He said, if someone hits you on one cheek, turn the other one. These cheeks. And he said, if someone hurts you, you bless them. That's pretty weird. If someone insults you, you pray for them. That's weird. If someone betrays you, you forgive them. Not just one time, but 70 times, seven times. That's extremely weird. The world's looking on and saying, this is the weirdest thing we've ever heard. And religious people hated Jesus. They couldn't stand him. They wanted to follow rules. And he kept doing annoying things like breaking all the rules. He healed people on the Sabbath. And in their religion, you didn't do anything on the Sabbath. And Jesus was this crazy, weird son of God. He did things that were not humanly possible. He found blind people. He healed blind people. Sometimes by touching them. Sometimes just by speaking the word. He healed people who were sick. He, he, he raised people from the dead. Lepers who were the outcasts of society who could not live inside the, the city walls had to live. They had these leper colonies where they hung out together. Jesus would go up and hug them and heal them. This was the strangest man who ever lived. And most religious people, they couldn't stand him. And as they turned on him and criticized him, <laughs> you know who he befriended? People like you and me. Lying, thieving, idolaters. He made friends with adulterers, people who sinned radically, prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners, the lowest of the low, the outcasts. And he loved these bad people so much that they were transformed and many of them, even though they never were educated, 
Certainly not in the religious schools. Many of them weren't even educated in any type of school. They believed in Jesus. His love transformed them. And they changed the world because of this strange relationship with the Son of God. And then one day he became obedient even to death on the cross. And he allowed one of his own, Judas, to betray him. He allowed the creation, because the Bible says that he was involved in creation. He allowed the creation to to attack and murder the Creator. And he he allowed them to put nails through his wrists and and, and hammer him to a cross. And nails through his, his ankles. And he allowed them to put him up on a cross so that he could... Be the sin for all of us. And he placed a crown of thorns on his brow and they beat him and they mocked him. And he willingly, willingly let them lift him up on that cross. And they abused him. And as, as they abused him, he looks up to heaven and he prays the weirdest prayer ever. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And then he became our sin. And I don't know what kind of sins are repre- represented here today, but... I bet someone in here has committed adultery. And the Bible says that he became your adultery. Some of you have given in to sexual lust, and the Bible says that he became your sexual lust. Some of you have lied, and he became your lying. Some of you are greedy, and he became your greed, your pride, your envy, your worldliness, your bitterness, and your hatred. Did Jesus come because you were a good person? Oh, no. The Bible says that without Christ, you're the object of God's wrath. That our best attempts at righteousness are as filthy rags. It says this in the Old Testament. And just in case you don't know the Hebrew word for filthy rags, this is, you can look this up in all honesty. It means the cloth rags that ladies used at that time during their menstrual cycle. And so the Hebrew word is gross. You're, no, I'm not saying ladies are gross. I'm saying that... The Bible says your attempts at religion, your attempts at righteousness are filthy rags. That there is absolutely nothing you can do. Your best thoughts, your best intentions on your best day will take you to hell because they're like filthy rags. He becomes sin for us. And, and as, he, as the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, as he's hanging there, he looks up and he says, Father, into, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he says, Tetelestai. And it, it means it is finished. Religion is finished. Relationship has begun. And for three days, his followers are scratching their head and they're like, what do we do now? We thought he was and he wasn't. And then, then all of a sudden, a couple of women go out to the tomb and they say, oh, what are we going to do? Who's going to roll away the stone? The stone's too big. We can't get in there. And when they get there, the stone's been rolled away because the tomb was empty, because death could not hold him back. The grave could not restrain him. He raised never to die again. And that reaction right there means we just casually believe it. I mean, amen, we don't usually say that, but got three amens and I think I saw three head nods. Yes. And, and I'm not trying to criticize you, but I'm saying we casually believe this story. Because if, it tr- if it's true, it changes everything. We should not be normal again. And see, you know what we've done? We've taken this cross and we've normalized it. We've turned it into a piece of jewelry. I guess if he had been 
crucified in, in an electric chair, then we could put a little electric chair around our neck and wear that. How weird is that? Because we've taken an object of torture and we've made it a piece of jewelry because we just casually buy into this stuff. And I'm not criticizing you if you're wearing a cross today. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that this story should transform you. And the reason this place isn't packed today, I mean out the walls, is because we're not living what we say we believe. There is no difference in us than there are in religious people. We're on the broad path kind of believing in Jesus, but living just like everybody else. If it's true, you can't casually believe it. When you believe that the majority of people are going the wrong way, at some point you got to wake up and say, this doesn't make sense anymore. And you choose to get off of this wide road leading to hell. And you get on this narrow road and you start following Christ full speed. Then the world gets changed. You say, I want to step through the small gate. I want to call on Jesus. I want, I want His righteousness to be my righteousness because I'm not good enough. Religion said that if I work really hard, then He might love me. God says that because He loves me, He sent Jesus to die. And now you get to obey. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my teaching. Obedience and love go together. If you're not obeying God, you do not love Him. God says it's all about Christ. And when you believe that, you can't stay the same. Your only reasonable response is to give whatever you know of yourself to whatever you know of God and say, use me and change me. And when that happens, when you get on that weird, narrow path, people are going to call you weird. But when you're consistent in it, those people are going to say, I want what you have. And you are going to get to lead them onto that path. And it's going to change them because they're going to say, you're different and I want what you have. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. What you, what your friends, what your family desperately need is not religion. Religion leads to bondage. Religion leads to pride. It leads to despair. What they need is a relationship with Christ because the Bible says Christ will set you free from whatever's in your past. So I want you just to examine your hearts. I want you to examine if what you're doing in life, are you on the normal path or, or are you on the weird path? Are you doing what everybody's doing or are you doing what few people ever do? Ask God to show you very clearly where your life is headed. And if you're done with religion... I want to encourage you to pray this prayer silently as I pray it out loud. Father, I'm tired of pleasing men. And I want to please you. And as we're at this kind of critical time, I want to invite some of you to come up and pray. Come up to the altar and just pray while we're going through this because somebody's eternal destiny depends on what happens in the next few minutes. So if you want to come to the altar, pray. If you just want to kneel down where you are, I want you to pray right where you are. How many of you would, would be willing to... Eyes are still 
close, heads bowed. How many of you would be willing to say, I'm tired of religion and I want a relationship? Let me see your hand. It's a lot of folks. Put them down. How many of you would say, if I were really honest today, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. Would you raise your hands? Wow. Okay, let me, let me walk you through this. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans 10, 9, it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, while we were religious, while we didn't know if we were in relationship with God, Christ died for us. So here's how you call on the name of the Lord. Those of you who raised your hands, if you want to be sure, 1 John 5, 11 through 13, it says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then John says, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So God wants you to know today that you are adopted into His family and that you're His. The way you call on the name of the Lord is you say, God, and if you want to pray this silently where you are, pray this with me. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not righteous. And I believe Jesus Christ died to become my sin. And to give me his righteousness. As best I know how, God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And be the leader of my life. Please adopt me into your family. And change me. Into the person you want me to be. Now, keep your heads bowed. Those of you who prayed that prayer. Would you just look at me for a minute? Here's what the Bible says. It says when you pray and your heart is genuine, you move from being outside the family of God to being a member of the family of God. If I were to adopt you into my family, you would be welcome in my home. You wouldn't have to knock on the door. You'd have your own key. You would come in anytime. You would go in and out. You would share of everything I have because you're a member of my family. And the Bible says that's what just happened with you. When you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That means moved into the family of God. So today, I want you to write this down. Today is your spiritual birthday. You have a physical birthday that gets you into the human race. You have a spiritual birthday when you pray and ask God to come into your life where you are adopted into the family of God. And in just a moment, when we fill out our registration cards, be sure and put that on there. Because the next thing that God wants you to do is He wants you to go public with what just happened. And you'll have the opportunity to be baptized in the next few weeks. But I'll explain all that to you. You don't have to do baptism until you understand what that is. Let's pray. We're going to be dismissed in just a second. But the Bible says when one person comes into the family of God, there is a celebration in heaven like you've never seen. 
there's a party going on right now for those of you who just stepped into the family of God. Father, I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. God, without those things, I am not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to be in your family, but because you loved us all so much, you pursued us and you knew who was going to be here today. It's not an accident that we have this crowd. So God, I thank you for those who stepped across the line of faith. I pray for for courage and boldness for them to begin walking down the weird path following you. And I pray that you change Palestine, Anderson County, everything within driving distance. Change it because of what happened today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't count, but there were a number of people who just prayed. So I think we need to have a little bit of clapping celebration. (laughs) 